supposed to go to a wedding today, but I think if it keeps snowing, I'm not going to go because it's yeah, an hour away. This morning, it probably won't be too crowded here. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, know I told my mom that I was like, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people here because a lot of them are, you know, elderly. And I don't even want to drive out in this. I don't have any friends, so don't expect too much. Yeah. Well, a lot of them go to, I know a lot of people who, um, like, work at Chick-fil-A and whatever, and they go to Faith Church, which is right by Walmart, and um, one of my friends invited me there for, like, one of their night services, and it was more like Bible study for, like, kids or whatever. And I didn't really like it because they had it, I don't know, it's weird because they take pictures of you while you're, like, worshiping or whatever. So I was, like, really uncomfortable the whole time. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. And they post them, too. And I'm like, that's really strange. Oh. I would not like that. <laughs> Which I guess a lot of churches do that, but I would not, I would not want that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a fan of that. I forgot to put, like, separate the song into separate slides. Oh. It was, like, the whole thing on one slide. The whole thing on one slide. I was like, <laughs> That's funny. Um, the Como You Faith, this first one, um, should be separated into, like, shorter slides now. Yeah, that was my fault. Would anyone like to pray before we start? Sure. Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to uh, be here this morning and worship you. And we hope we've touched people's hearts that anyone is searching in their life for you, that you'll allow them to find you and, and know your grace. And Lord, we pray for all the people that are driving here today, that you protect them, let them drive safe. Christ's name, amen. Amen. It's too much of a, mm -mm, I don't like that, okay. So I'll just hold out on the G until we come in because okay. everything else is just too complicated to. Right, I'll watch for you to. Okay. Oh, come. 
That's mm. too low. Yeah, it is a little low. I don't know. It's fat. Okay. songs before? I'm literally so out of breath. We need a little more guitar. Well, he'll adjust it. Yeah. <coughs> okay. Who? Do it. Does yeah. she sing the sax, or play the saxophone? Yeah. Sing the saxophone. Oh, wow. I feel like this thing is not. Yeah? No. 
Why does it sound not good? Um, yeah, I, I was playing quiet. Sorry. I, yeah, I'll play louder on this song, but <clears throat> I think I need a warm up before we do that song because I'm very out of breath. The first one? Yeah. Okay. So we'll do. I feel yeah. like the chorus ended up being like a mouthful. Like there was yeah. nowhere to breathe. It was like, <laughs> oh, can I <laughs> Okay. <clears throat> No, I think I think I just messed it up. But I think I think it'll be fine if we do it like that. If we do it the way that it's written so you don't have to change anything. It's not hard. Yeah. You do it what you doing? You got one thing on these strings and one thing on Okay. Um Didn't well then Yeah, it went straight to the chorus. Yeah, that's what this one did. Yeah, I know. I messed up the order. And she went to the verse. Oh, so you changed And it. so I went and tried to get to the second verse. Yeah, hold on. Yeah. And then of course. Oh, you didn't? Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Sounds weird.
Saying the words at the at different times, so we'll just go back over that. Which part is it? Like all all of it, yeah. Mainly the chorus, but um, the verses could be better too. Choose to think of me. 
still singing at different times, like coming in at different times. Um, Chris, how do you feel? Okay. Um. <coughs> Tom, you're coming in late on the choruses, it's like, oh, I don't know, it's like the end of the parts where it's, um, like, this is my offering, it's probably fine, but, like, to you, God is usually, I don't know, I feel like it's kind of off a little, yeah, or no, it's delayed, like, you're going delayed a little, yeah, yeah, um, I think 
that's the main part. I think the verses, like if you don't know the verses that well, they're all like, they all go like the same. It's like verse one and verse two, verse three. They're all like the exact same rhythm. So if you want to get like the first two down just by listening and then doing like the third one okay. or listening to the first one and doing the second two or whatever. But um, yeah, anyway. All right. Yeah, we'll do it again real quick. Yeah, that's fine.
Okay. Yeah, bad. All right. Oh, 
Last chorus, my breathing got messed up. <clears throat> okay, let's go over the first song again, which is "I Come Let Us Adore Him." sing. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. 
stuff. I is said there. we end there. I wonder. What? Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. I messed it up. 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 Are you kidding, bro? Kidding, bro? Bro? Let's see if it's easier. Let's see if it's easier. If I, if I, if I. Okay. Stop. I don't want to hear myself the first time. Not an echo. Okay, no, this is not gonna work. terrible <laughs> I don't know why it's so hard to sing the song like I can't go any slower because then it sounds terrible no it's fine let's sing <clears throat> I know I did. It was like the second line I sped up, and I was like, whatever. Yeah, you're right. Okay, that sounds better.
parents came to see the baby stood by his mother's side here lay the savior inside a manger oh what a glorious night oh what a glorious night i hear the We've all been searching for something Something that's bigger than us to believe in Who knew a star was so close it could touch us Light up our hearts, lead the way through the dark uh. 
Good morning, everyone. 
How's everybody today? All right. Well, let's all stand together. Stand together. Somebody give the Lord praise or thanks for something He is or does. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amen. He's back there. He's right there. You're getting into some business back there. He's signing. He's giving out autographs out there. That's great. Good. Yeah. You go. Jump right into the psalm then today. Oh, go ahead. Yep. Go first, go. God is kinds of different reasons to praise the Lord, right? And that's what the psalm today takes us to, Psalm 150. We're going to read Psalm 150. And Psalm 150 says, praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in the expanse that shows His might, praise Him for His acts of power, praise Him according to His abundant greatness, praise Him with the blast of the ram's horn, praise Him with the harp and the lyre, praise Him with hand drums and dancing, praise Him with the strings and the flute. 
Praise Him with the sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And everybody says, praise "Praise the Lord. So we're going to sing some worship songs to the Lord. Before we do that, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. i 
This is the time of the service where we do communion. And you should have received a little packet when you came in. And on the top is the bread, which is Jesus' body broken for you. And also on the bottom is the juice, which is Jesus' blood shed for you. In Luke 22, starting at 13, we read, 
They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave it thanks, and broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. Here we see Jesus taking his last Passover meal before he's crucified. One of the interesting things I think about this is he knew when he was going to be crucified. He knew shortly after this meal, he was going to be punished for the sins of the world. God always has perfect timing. They ate the Passover meal at the same time as Jesus was declaring that by his death, he would fulfill the new covenant. The covenant that they had been waiting for a long time. Jesus instructed us to remember him by taking this holy communion. So let's remember, even though things were about to get real crazy for Jesus, he focused on godly things. So we should be like Jesus and lay these earthly thoughts aside and remember what a great price he paid for us. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for laying your life aside for us. I just pray as you see us from heaven that it would bring you great joy to see us remembering everything you've done for it. I pray that you feel gladness in our heart that we have the same thoughts as you do, Jesus, as we remember how wonderful this gift is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. Now is the time in the service for announcements. If you have uh, empty pill bottles, you can bring them in for donations. We um, partner with other churches in the area um, to take them over to Matthew 25 Ministries, and then they use them for lots of different things. Don't throw your ink cartridges away. Uh, bring them in. We are able to recycle them, and it helps to reduce the cost of office supplies here at the church. Food pantry closed closets every Thursday, 5 to 7. If you have donations you want to drop off, you can bring them during that time or on Sundays before or after service. Um, here's a list of most frequently needed items in case you wanted to donate um, the actual food item instead. Um, you can also come and serve um, and see what we do. Refit free dance fitness class on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 6.30 to 7.30 here in the sanctuary. Breakfast fellowship is the first Sunday of the month at 9.30. Um, breakfast is better when we eat together. Goshen United Christmas Caroling is going to be today from 2 to 4. Um, obviously, I didn't expect snow, but the Lord had planned otherwise. Um, we are still going to go ahead with this. We have eight churches we're meeting together today at Kroger at 2 o'clock, and then we'll head over to um, three different locations. They're very local to Goshen, so if you have any questions, you can ask me after service. Um, there is a sign-up. We're just hoping to get maybe 10 people or so to go, but if you have any questions, let me know. Christmas Day candlelight service next Sunday, December 25th. Yes, that's Christmas Day. We know. Um, same service time, 1030, um, and wear your ugly Christmas sweater. We do have the, the photo thing back there. If you want to take pictures, let us know. We, we like to just um, celebrate with you guys. That's what we want to do. You're our family. So if you can make it, great. If not, we still love you. Uh, ways to give in person. Um, the offering box is in the back of the sanctuary and online at the website there. And we'll start the meet and greet. If you have kids that um, want to go downstairs, we're actually going to meet in the back room today for the kiddos. Sharon? Ladies, get your books from Sharon. 10-minute meet and greet.
jewelry shop and it's amazing how the holidays give me a joy like a little kid playing Christmas morning with toys and we can fall in love. Take my hand, walk through a winter wonderland.
Twice. Can't wait for Christmas. Can't wait for Christmas. I love snow days. We head to the hill. Pile three on a saucer. You can bet on a spill. Stacking gloves on the furnace at the end of the day. And as we sit by the fire, tell me who would say. Can't wait for Christmas. Up there with that. Yellow, yellow, yep, yep. All right. I think I'm finally ready here. I think I'm ready. I want to say how much I appreciate Josh and um, Danny. So Danny was scheduled to preach. Josh was not. So I think I what was it Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday? I contacted him. I was sick, and so he jumped in there at the uh, at the last second. So I appreciate that he's able to do that. So um, and then just appreciate that. I can take breaks with Danny preaching and Josh preaching. It just does good for me and my mental, uh, my mental state. It's kind of tough to do this all the time. So it's good to have those breaks, and I just want to say I appreciate y'all. So, <laughs> and um, I don't know that people know uh, all the work that goes into this, like to give them that like at the last second and try to, you know, they work full-time jobs and stuff like that. They try to fit that in. It's just really tough. So, again, appreciate y'all, and uh, thank the Lord that we have people like that here. All right, so we're going to get into the Word today. Um, we're going to turn together in our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 20. It's a huge passage of Scripture, but I think you guys will do okay. Luke 2, 1 through 20, and when you find that in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And the title of today's teaching is The Birth of of our Savior. So Luke 2, 1 through 20, the scriptures say, 
In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governing Syria. And everyone went to register, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the town of Nazareth, into Judea, to the town of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house and family line of David. He went to be registered with Mary, his wife, who was pledged to him in marriage and was expecting a child. And so it was that while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. There were in the same country shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior was born for you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude from the heavenly army, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, or goodwill toward mankind. (laughs) When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Now let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they told others the message they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed by what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You may be seated. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There really is something special about Christmas time. The excitement, the expectation, the hope, and the joy. There's this incredible energy in the air. And in our passage today, we see all those elements were there for the first Christmas 2,000 years ago. Excitement, expectation, hope, joy. The birth of Jesus brought many amazing things to the world. And as we walk with Luke through the scenes of this story, we'll see the most amazing thing the birth of our Savior brought to the world is the salvation of mankind. That's what we'll talk about today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you to open our ears to hear the voice of Jesus. Give us minds and hearts that are ready to receive your word and give us your grace to put your word into practice. Now and always, in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the first scene of our story, Luke tells us the birth of our Savior brought his parents to Bethlehem. Now in Luke 2, 1, Luke tells us, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So Caesar Augustus was the ruler of Rome at this time, and he issued a decree that the entire Roman world should be registered, that there would be a census, that all these people should be counted. Why did he do this? Well, it was tax time. The Caesar wanted to be sure everyone was paying their taxes, so he sent out the decree to tally up all the taxpayers. And Luke, being the accurate historian that he is, 
But Luke is very specific about the time of this registration. In Luke 2, 2, Luke says, this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governing Syria. So in other words, Luke says the things he does so people can go check out his facts. That's the reason he wrote the gospel, so that we could be sure that the things he's telling us about the Lord are all true. Now, there's some debate about the exact year that all this happened, but what's important for Luke and what's important for us is this. This registration of this census happened at just the right time and in just the right place to fulfill God's word. So we need to read between the lines just a little bit here and ask ourselves who was really behind this census. Well, Caesar might have been ruling Rome, but the Lord, as always, was in control. The scriptures teach us that the Lord is sovereign over everything. God speaks and God makes sure what he says will come to pass. And here we see our sovereign Lord uses Caesar Augustus to fulfill prophecy that pertains to God's son. The Lord used the census to place Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem at just the right time. Now we need to remember this truth as we look around at the world around us. The world is a mess, right? We look around, we need to remember this truth. The Lord is always in control. The Lord influences circumstances. The Lord puts thoughts in people's minds. The Lord prompts and prods people to do His will. And the Lord is always working to make sure His word is fulfilled. As the Lord reminds Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.12, I am watching over my word to fulfill it. See, the Lord is always watching and He's always working in all things to see that His word is fulfilled. And this truth should give us a perfect peace. Us who serve the Lord, this should give us a perfect peace. That we can trust our lives to the Lord because we know that no matter what happens, our God has everything under control. So the Lord put it into the mind of Caesar Augustus to have the whole Roman world go to their hometowns to register. The Lord did this so that Joseph and Mary would be in the right place at the right time. So Joseph took the 90-mile journey from the town of Nazareth to the town of Bethlehem where he was born. And Luke says Joseph was with Mary, they were pledged to be married, and she was expecting a child. Now, as we saw a few weeks ago, this child was not Joseph's child. Luke's already told us that Mary became pregnant as a virgin when the Holy Spirit came on her and the power of the Most High overshadowed her. And the one to be born from her would be called the Son of God. So Mary is expecting God's Son, and her and Joseph were headed for Bethlehem. But why Bethlehem? Why is this place so important? Well, at least one reason is the name Bethlehem means house of bread. And it's fitting that the one who is the bread of life, the one who is the living bread who came down from heaven to give the bread of his flesh for the life of the world? Well, it's fitting that this person was born in a place called the house of bread. The city of Bethlehem is also important because Scripture predicted that the Christ, the one who would be Israel's anointed prophet, priest, and king, the one who would be the son of David and the son of God, the Scriptures predicted he would be born in Bethlehem. And the scriptures teach us that all of Israel knew this prediction. For example, when King Herod asked Jewish leaders where the Christ would be born, 
we find their answer in Matthew 2, 5 through 6. Quoting a prophecy spoken by the prophet Micah, they said, In Bethlehem of Judea, because this was written through the prophet, You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are certainly not least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So the Jewish leaders, they knew that the Christ would be born in Bethlehem. And the common people knew this too. As we read in John 7, 42, they were asking, doesn't the scripture say that the Christ comes from David's descendants and from the little town of Bethlehem where David lived? So all of God's people knew the scriptures predicted the Christ would be a descendant of David and would be born in Bethlehem, the little town where David lived. And this is why Luke tells us that Joseph was from the town of David and from the house and the line of David. And this is also why Luke points out that Joseph and Mary were pledged in marriage. It's because through her marriage to Joseph, the baby boy Mary was carrying was legally a descendant of David. He was in line to inherit the throne of David, and he was about to be born in Bethlehem, just as God's word predicted 700 years before it came to pass. But the way God fulfilled his word is a way that no one was expecting. As Luke continues in Luke 2, 6 through 7, And so it was that while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. Now Luke emphasizes that Jesus was Mary's firstborn son because in Judaism, the firstborn son was the head of the family. The firstborn son was also given a double portion of the family inheritance, and he was also set apart to God in a special way. Luke then adds some interesting details to emphasize the humility of our Lord Jesus. Luke says, Mary wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and then she lovingly laid him in a peculiar place. She puts the king of kings in a feeding trough for animals. Now, that's what a manger is. It's a feeding trough. But why would Mary do such a thing? Why would she do something like this, put the king of kings in this feeding trough? Well, Luke tells us in Luke 2, 7, it's because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, if you study this out, you'll see that there are at least three options for where Jesus was born. One option is Jesus was born in a barn where they kept animals. Another option is Jesus was born in the lower level of a house where they kept animals. The third option is Jesus was born in a cave where they kept animals. Now, I'm convinced that the last option is best, mainly because that's what the early church taught. Writing around the year 150 AD, an early Christian and martyr for Christ named Justin, he says this about the birth of Christ. When the child was born in Bethlehem, since Joseph could not find a lodging in that village, he took up his quarters in a certain cave near the village. And while they were there, Mary brought forth the Christ and placed him in a manger. Another, uh, another early Christian named Origen wrote this, With respect to the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, if anyone desires to have additional evidence, there is shown in Bethlehem the cave where he was born and the manger in the cave where he was wrapped in swaddling claws. The most interesting thing about these two quotes is both of these people were writing to skeptics. Right? They're saying, this is evidence that Jesus was born where he was born. You can go look at it. It's there in, in uh, Bethlehem. You can go look at it today. 
So that's one of the reasons, the main reason for me why I believe that Jesus was born in a cave. The early church taught that there were no lodging places available for Joseph and Mary, so they were found, that they, they were forced to seek shelter in one of the caves that were used to lodge animals. So the birth of our Savior, it brought his parents to Bethlehem, and there the King of Kings was born, not in a palatial palace, but in a cave made for animals. He was wrapped in a swaddling cloth and laid lovingly in a feeding trough. And while all this was happening in Bethlehem, something else was happening just outside the city. And that brings us to the second scene of our story where we find out the birth of our Savior brought angels from heaven. In Luke 2.8, Luke introduces us to some shepherds. Now, these shepherds, they were living out in the fields near Bethlehem, and they were keeping watch over their flocks by night. And on one of those nights, some would say it was a silent night, a holy night, all was calm, all was bright. And suddenly, the shepherds see a terrifying sight. We can write that into a Christmas song, by the way, a little bit of a remix, you know what I mean? They see this terrifying sight, as Luke says in Luke 2.9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, the Greek word behind the word terrified means they were terrified with a great terror. I mean, there's really not any words that we can use to describe how frightened they really were. But the appearance of this angel and the glory of the Lord was very scary. But the angel does not want the shepherds to be afraid. He says to the shepherds, don't be afraid. I've got good news for you. And this news will cause great joy, not only for you, but great joy for all the people of the world. And what is this good news that this awesome angel came to tell these simple shepherds? Well, the angel explains in Luke 2.11, Today in the town of David, a Savior was born for you. He is Christ the Lord. I want you to notice three elements of this good news. This good news that the angel announced to these poor shepherds about the baby born in the town of David. First, he is a savior. He's the savior of all people. He's especially the savior of the poor, especially people like these humble shepherds whom society says are less than worthy. See, God gives them the privilege of being the first to hear the good news. And he says, your savior has been born into the world. The second truth the angel reveals about the baby born in Bethlehem is he is Christ. Now, those are words God's people had waited to hear for centuries. God had promised to send them a deliverer, a prophet, a priest, a king who would usher in God's glorious kingdom and save God's people from all their enemies. And the angel tells these shepherds that this person has been born in the city of David. The last thing the angel says about baby Jesus is he is the Lord. And here the angel's emphasizing the last part of the prophecy we read earlier in Micah 5, 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, from you will go out the one who will be the ruler, of, <laughs> the ruler for me in Israel. His goings forth are from the beginning, from the days of eternity. Now think about those last words. This child born in Bethlehem is no ordinary child. 
He is the Lord. He is God in the flesh. He is the Ancient of Days. Now, the shepherds may not have understood all of that, but we understand that now because we have the Word of God and we can see these things connected this way. The one who had always existed in the form of God, God's divine Son, had now become a divine human being. The Savior of the world, the anointed King of God's kingdom, God in, a, in the flesh, was born this day. And that's good news that will bring great joy to the whole world. And the angel then goes on to give the shepherds a sign that I'm sure was kind of confusing to them. He says, this is how you'll know that they, that they found the Savior, that they found Christ the Lord. This is how you'll know. Luke 2.12, the angel says, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, remember, these shepherds, they know that that manger is a feeding trough, right? The angel has come from heaven, and he's like, oh, you, the Messiah's here. He's the Lord. He's, you'll find him in Bethlehem. And then, they, then he says, well, you're going to find him in a manger. So I'm sure that they're thinking, what in the world is, is going on here? But why does Luke keep mentioning these cloths in this manger? Well, again, it's, be, it's because this is not where you'd expect to find any king, let alone this king, the king of glory, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. You don't expect to find him being born in a manger. The king who, at whose name every knee in heaven on earth will bow, he was born in a creature's cave, wrapped in common cloths, and laid in a mule's manger. And this sign Again, must have been a surprise to these shepherds. But God had more surprises in store for them. Luke goes on in Luke 2.13 to tell us, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude from the heavenly army praising God. Now think about this. If one angel was terrifying, how much more frightening must this have been? I don't know if they wore underwear back then, but, you know. It might have been a tough situation there. Anyway, so there's a vast number of angels that appear with the first angel. How many angels? Well, we don't know exactly. Could have been thousands. Could have been millions. What we do know is it was an enormous army of angels. If, you're, if your translation says he appeared with the heavenly host, that's exactly what the word host means. Host is an army. So he appears, this army of angels appear, and then they suddenly turn into a heavenly choir. They burst into this joyful song of praise to the God of heaven. And this song, it has a wonderful, soul-stirring message. They sing, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward mankind. See, this army of angels had not come to fight. They'd come to give glory to God in heaven and to announce that heaven was coming to offer peace to those on earth. Peace to all of mankind who would accept the rule of the coming king. Now, if you read all of Luke's gospel, which all of us should do, read it over and over again, read all of Luke's gospel. If you read his whole gospel, when you come to Luke 12, 51 through 53, you're going to see something that seems like a contradiction. There, Jesus asked his disciples this question. Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. Yes, from now on, there will be five divided in one household, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. See those fights between in-laws? That's all scriptural. Jesus predicted all that was going to happen. <laughs> 
Now, this seems like a contradiction, right? The angel says Jesus came to bring peace on earth. Jesus said he did not come to bring peace on earth, but division. You know, some latch on to scriptures like this and use it as an excuse to reject the scriptures as unreliable. See, we can't trust the scriptures. They contradict each other. But there's no contradiction here. The angels and Jesus are talking about two different kinds of peace or peace with two different groups of people is probably the best way to put that. See, the angels are singing about peace with God, peace that God will give to all mankind who come to him through a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And when we get to what Jesus is saying, Jesus says that that relationship will cause division among the people of the world. So there's going to be those who accept him as their Lord and those who reject him as their Lord. And everyone will have to choose whether we'll love the Lord Jesus more than our own earthly family. So the angels told the shepherds the message we've all got to accept or reject. God offers peace with him to all the world. He offers it through the Savior who was born in Bethlehem, who is Christ our Lord. And for all of us, accepting that message is going to cause division with the people around us, those who don't accept the Lord at least, right? The crazy thing about it, not really crazy, but the, I guess the good thing about it, so when our family rejects us, when we become a, a part of the Lord's family, well, we get a new family, right? A new family who are connected in a way that we can never be connected with our earthly families. We're connected through the Spirit of God, born again, become children of God. So through the Savior, let me go back just one, one more one time. So God offers peace with him to all the world through the Savior who was born in Bethlehem, who is Christ our Lord. So these simple shepherds, they, they've heard this marvelous message. This heavenly host of angels has told them the birth of our Savior has brought his parents to Bethlehem. The birth of our Savior has brought angels from heaven to give good news to the humble. And as we move to the final scene in this story, Luke shows us how we should respond to the most marvelous thing the birth of our Savior brought to the world. The birth of our Savior brought salvation to the world. Now notice how the shepherds respond to this good news in Luke 2.15. Luke says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, now let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Now in his gospel, Luke stresses the importance of faith. But listen to this, it's never a blind faith. Too many people say we just accept what God says and or just blindly accept that's, that's not ever what it is. It's always faith based on the trustworthiness of the Lord and those who are his witnesses. See, the shepherds took the angel's word as the Lord's word, and they believed his word. The angels went back to heaven, but the shepherds did not go back to their normal lives. Instead, they responded to the good news. They said, let's go. See, we've heard God's word. Let's go and see. They're not saying, let's go and see if this is true, but let's go and see the thing we know has happened just as the Lord has told us through his angel, through his messengers. The Lord had said it. The shepherds believed the Lord's word, and they knew when they got to Bethlehem, they would find their Savior just as the Lord had told them. So they hurried off to see their Savior. They hurried off to see Christ the Lord. And that's the kind of faith that I want. That's the kind of faith that God wants from all of us. Whenever we hear God's word, whether it's a word about salvation or anything else, he wants us to simply accept it 
to believe it and then act on it. He wants us to believe it. He wants us to have this let's go and see kind of faith. Not that we're seeing if this thing is true, but that we know this thing is true because God said it was true. If God says he will do something, then let's expect things to turn out just like God says they will. Let's not allow our reasoning, our human minds to get in the way. How could God do this? How could God do that? God doesn't explain to us how he does things. He's God. He can do whatever he wants, and we just need to trust him, right? Let's become like these shepherds. Let's be quick to believe that the Lord is watching his word to make sure everything that he says will be fulfilled. Now, when these shepherds arrived in Bethlehem, they, Luke says that they found things just as the angels said they would be. And then watch what happens next. In Luke 2, 17 through 18, Luke says, when they had seen him, they told others the message they had that they had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed by what the shepherds said to them. See, they heard the good news. They had believed the good news. They had found our Savior, and they could not keep this good news to themselves. They had to go, and they had to spread the word about Jesus. Now, what is Luke describing here? What is Luke describing here? He's describing evangelism. See, these shepherds were the first evangelists, witnesses who told others what they had seen and heard about Jesus. And you know, that's all evangelism is. We hear God's word. We believe God's word. We see God do for us exactly what God says he will do in his word. And then we go to tell others what we've seen and heard. You know, it's no accident that Luke uses a combination of those words three other times in the gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts. And each of the times that he uses those phrases, he does so in the context of people being witnesses for Jesus. In Luke 7, 22, after John sends disciples to Jesus to ask him if he's the Messiah or they should wait for somebody else, well, Jesus answered them, go tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are healed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. In Acts 4.20, when false religious leaders told Peter and John to stop speaking to people about Jesus, well, Peter and John answered with these words, decide whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And finally, in Acts 22.14 through 15, Paul tells us how the Lord sent Ananias to tell Paul, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one, and to hear the sound of his voice. For you will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. Now, we may not be shepherds, we may not be apostles, but we have the same glorious good news to tell the world that they did. Our Savior has come to save the world. He was born 2,000 years ago in the city of David, and he is Christ the Lord. Next week, we'll celebrate his birth. But this year, let's make sure we remember the reason for his birth. Jesus was born to be our Savior. Through his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, Jesus brings salvation to the world. And Jesus saves us from slavery to sin. He saves us from slavery to Satan. Jesus saves us from the power of darkness and death. 
Jesus saves us from every enemy that binds us. And Jesus brings us into the marvelous light of the kingdom of God. And in this kingdom, we're free to live, free from the shackles of sin and shame. We're free to live the abundant life God offers us in Christ. Now, that may not mean Ferraris and stuff like that, but we got something much better than a Ferrari when we got Christ. We got eternal life where we live in connection with the God of the universe. And one day we await his return to resurrect or give us these new and glorious bodies he talks about. See, that's good news that's worth sharing with others. Now, as we close, this is, this is the most wonderful time of the year, the time we celebrate the birth that's still bringing excitement, anticipation, hope, and great joy to all people. And as I sit and watch your faces, I think, <laughs> I think it's time we start to remember these things, right? Maybe we take them for granted. Maybe we've heard it so many times that that's just the same old story. Well, the same old story is all that we need, right? The same old story is the most wonderful story ever told. It should produce excitement, anticipation, hope, and great joy in all of us. Not because Santa Claus is coming to town, right? But because we're waiting for the Savior to come back to get us. The Savior who saved, he saved us from our sins, death, all these things. This should cause great joy to all people. To the birth birth of our Savior brought his parents to Bethlehem, brought God's angels from heaven, and most importantly, the birth of our Savior brought salvation to the world. So let's remember that as we celebrate his birth. And let's live in the salvation our Savior purchased for us through his precious blood. And if God has saved us from our sins and he's saved us from Satan, if God has saved us from darkness and death through our union with his Son, then don't we have good news to tell the people around us? Don't you want to share that with your neighbor? Don't you want to share that with your family? Does it matter if they reject it or not? No. Our only job is to tell them. Come and see Jesus. Come and see what we've seen and heard. We found the Messiah. We found Christ our Lord. Come and see him with us. See, if he saved us, then we should tell others about the salvation that we found. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to do that. You just need to go tell people what the Lord has done in your life. And then you say, come and see the Lord with me. So let's do that. Let's go and tell the world what we've seen and what we've heard. Let's go and tell the world about the birth of our Savior and tell them how he can change their lives as he's changed our lives. Let's all stand for prayer. Father, we thank you so much for sending your son to this earth to be born of a virgin, to take on human nature so that we could be saved through our union with him. We thank you for his suffering and death on the cross, for his resurrection from the dead, and for the hope we have in him, this hope of abundant and unending life and fellowship with you. Lord, help us to remember this truth today and every day, and give us grace to live in light of this truth. Give us also the will and the ability to share this good news with those around us. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So maybe you're here today and you don't know this Savior, this Lord I've been talking about. If you want to know more about how to become a part of his body, become a, one of his people, to accept him as your Lord, then speak to me after church. I'll tell you how to do that. As they sing this final song, we're going to open up. You're going to come up here and pray if you would like to pray. Someone will pray with you. If you don't want anybody to pray, you can just come kneel down by yourself or whatever. 
but we want to pray with you if you need anything at all. Scriptures tell us if we're sick in our bodies, we're to call the elders of the church who will anoint sick people with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make sick people well. In that context, he also says, so confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. If you want to do that, there'll be somebody up here to help you do that today. So I'll speak the Lord's blessing over you all. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
Tell